And here we go, here we go! Raider Nation. Raider Nation. Welcome to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. Your home for the most real Raiders takes, predictive stats, and advanced analytics. We bleed silver and black. Here are your hosts, Raider Heart and Raspy Raider. What's happening, Raider Nation? Welcome back to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. I am your host, as always, Raider Hart. And, well, guys, it was a disappointing start to the 2022 season. The Raiders fall to the division rival Chargers 24-19 in a game that, while winnable uh, in, in a lot of respects, also at times didn't feel quite as close as the score indicated. Um, you're obviously listening to the Raiders Chargers recap show. I've got my co-host, uh, as always, Raspy Raider with me here. And uh, Raspy wasn't quite the start that that we uh, predicted and uh, wanted to see for the Raiders this year. Yeah, that's definitely what's cracking right now. I'm uh, very let down by yesterday's performance, man. Very, very disappointing start for the Raiders. We're going to get into it. What went wrong offensively? Uh, what do we think of Josh McDaniel's debut as the head coach play caller for the Las Vegas Raiders? And also, how did the defense look? It, you know, Patrick Graham's first time as the defensive coordinator for the Vegas Raiders. How did he fare against pretty much consensus top five quarterback Justin Herbert in, in an explosive Chargers offense? We're going to get into all of that, but first, guys, got to take care of business here. Just like to remind everybody, a new regular season is here. It's upon us. Um, the conversation is is live. It's it's um, it's really heating up. There's a lot of good debate and discussion on uh, social, Raider social media over the night, as you'd expect coming off of the game. Um, you can always find us, guys. You can join the conversation. We're on Twitter at silver underscore hack. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, if you just like to listen to the podcast, if you're not as big on social media, you can find us on anywhere, just about any place that you find your normal podcast, guys. So spread the word, tell your friends, tell your family, like, share, subscribe, and um, keep your notifications on because it's just getting started for season three here with Silver and Black Hack. But um, now that that's out of the way, we got to get back into the sort of uncomfortable business at hand here and that's the autopsy for the Raiders week one loss went down to LA our home away from home down there and just quite frankly guys just did not play the way that you know consistent football what it was going to take to go on the road and beat a team that a lot of people feel raspy uh, you know is right in the discussion for uh, potential Super Bowl contenders, you know, with the, with the with the Chargers, Herbert in his third year. What was your overall assessment? We'll get into some of the individual components as we break it down, but what was just sort of your bird's eye view uh, with, with the Raiders' performance? Just not good enough. Yeah, definitely not good enough. And uh, as we were talking before, you know, before this recording, I guess it, it didn't seem as close as the score looked, you know, and Hart kind of brought my attention, you know, and 
I tend to agree, man. I mean, you got to realize they did miss a field goal late there, um, which wouldn't have put it completely out of reach. We made it would have made it an eight point game, but with just some of the with the turnovers and just the I guess just the flow of the game, it didn't seem as close as it was. But overall, I guess bird's eye. I mean, you hold Justin Herbert and that prolific offense to twenty four points, you should win the damn ball game. Let's face it. And we didn't because here we go again, not getting to that 20-point mark, man. And NFL, you can't score 20-plus points a game. I'm talking like 26-plus. You're going to lose. Yeah, the offense just did not live up to the preseason, the offseason hype. Uh, just, you know, this is something that was brought up. You know, the Raiders, let's just get right into it, Raspy. There's no sense in, you know, beating around the bush here. Everybody knows what happened in the game. And you have to start with the top. You know, a lot of people want to, whenever they're, it's just weird. You know, I'm a Derek Carr guy. I'm a Derek Carr supporter. I've never really been shy about that. And I'm still a Derek Carr supporter. But I do, even I have to find it, you know, somewhat humorous that whenever, Whenever Derek, whenever the Raiders win, it just seems like Derek Carr is elevated to, you know, he's carrying this, you know, dead carcass of a roster across the finish line to these wins. But whenever we lose, it's just, it's miraculously a team game all of a sudden. And, you know, it's it's like, so when, when the Raiders win, he deserves the lion's share of the praise. But when they lose, it's like, hey, wait a minute, it's a team game. But I'm sorry, guys, it is a team game, as we've talked about, but if we're real, if we're very realistic about this Raider Nation, we all know what it is. It's a team game where one with where one position and one player has a vastly greater impact on winning and losing than the rest of the players on the roster. We can say it's a team game until the cows come home, and we all know that the punter doesn't have the same impact on winning as your number one cornerback, as your quarterback. So let's just get that's just that. Let's just be honest. Let's let's be intellectually honest about this. And we understand that the quarterback has by far the most impact on winning and losing in a team sport. Just like pitchers in baseball, goalies in soccer and hockey, it's the same thing. And Derek Carr just wasn't good enough in, in the first game in this new offense, in this new regime, Raspy. 22 of 37, 295 yards, which sounds really good with eight-point yards 8.0 yards per attempt. That sounds really good. Two touchdowns. But when you look closer at the numbers or if you watch the games, you know, watch the game, three picks, uh, depending on where, what, where you get your numbers, I've seen five or six sacks. I've seen both numbers. But either way, it's the, the picture is still the same. It's not good enough. A lot of people are putting – these sacks on this offensive line, you know, we knew this offensive line was bad. And what did you expect? The guys, I'm here to tell you that from my perspective, the offensive line wasn't great, but it wasn't, I thought Derek Carr actually was the reason for a lot of those sacks and raspy, you know, two fumbles again, the, the ball security on these sacks continues to be, I just don't think there's anything that could be done about that at this point, because I mean, it's, it's been an issue since his rookie season. 26.9 QBR, which is as bad as it sounds. And the the, Q, the quarterback rating for you guys that prefer quarterback rating, nowhere to hide there either. 69.1 quarterback rating. He had the most turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF, this week, and he was sacked on 45% of pressures, which is second worst. Raspy, the pocket presence is, a, is an issue for this quarterback right now. 
Absolutely, man. He hung on to the ball for far too long. I don't think there's anybody out there in Raider Nation that's going to argue with me on that. He hung on to the ball for way too long. What have we known D.C. to be, man, that quick release? I mean, I think it was, what was it, in 2017 or 18, man, he led the league and, and you know, released, getting rid of the ball. It was like 2.178 seconds, something ridiculous. But that's what I thought would even be more prevalent with a Josh McDaniels type of offense was timing, getting the ball out quick. Line has some question marks. So, what more of a reason to get the damn ball out? Now, you can sit there and say that, oh, they were playing great coverage. What? I don't care if it's a throwaway ball. I would rather you throw a ball in the dirt to get rid of it than to take an eight yard loss and to fumble the damn rock. So, there has to be some accountability there on Carr's part, man. He was hanging on to the ball too damn long, and this whole tuck it in kind of slowly fall to the ground stuff that Carr does is frustrating as hell, man. And and you know what? Like you said, 200 yards on 22 or 37 doesn't sound bad with a couple TDs and eight yards per. But it's the – and the reason you're hearing five and six sacks is because five of them were on Carr. Sixth one was when they ran that boneheaded play after picking up the fourth down and Devontae got sacked in the backfield for a 10 or 12-yard loss. That's the other so stat. It is six. It is six sacks, and you got three ints and two fumbles. Now, I believe we got those fumbles back, but one of those heart brought to my attention resulted in a turnover on down. So it's a wasted play, and you were just so lucky just to even get the ball back. May as well have lost the same result. Yeah, the fumbles issue that it cannot be denied. It's obvious. I'm even okay with that. In a sense, and I know it sounds dumb, but these forced interceptions that had no business happening, throwing to D-Wall into, you know, either double coverage or triple coverage over the top, not hitting him early enough, getting it up there to where he can go get it, you know, underthrowing Waller in the end zone on a, where he smoked Derwin James and was just wide open, you know, pushing, man, your defense – I'll have Hart will run you that stat, but he threw me a stat as far as like the last five drives that the Chargers had, man. There was no reason not to go and take a lead in this game. There was no reason at all. And, you know, we'll get to the defense here a little bit later in the next segment, but Raspy's exactly right. I'll get to that stat that he's referring to. It's very telling when we get to that uh, in the next segment, but, you know, I think that this conversation just sort of naturally raspy. It leads us into another sort of car debate that's sort of been there for years. And that's the issue of mobility, right? And there's half the fan base seems to be, we want this guy to be Lamar Jackson. We want this guy to be Michael Vick at, at his, you know, at the height of his powers or whatever, running around, running for 80 or 90 yards and multiple touchdowns. And the other half of the fan base, it just seems to be like, nope, that's not his, you're, you're, being unrealistic, that's not who he is. He's a pocket passer. And I think both sides are wrong on this issue. And I'll address the the, the first group first. You know, he, he's not ever going to be Jalen Hurts, even. Like, forget Lamar Jackson. Forget Randall Cunningham back in the day. Forget Michael Vick. That's just not his game. I In that, in that regard, I agree with the other group that that you guys are expecting too much but for the other group that says he's a pocket passer here's the issue with that he's not 
because a pocket passer has pocket presence. If you have a pure pocket passer that doesn't like to maneuver and, and, and you know, pick up first downs, touchdowns, yardage with his legs, like some of those other quarterbacks we mentioned, that's fine. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, the two greatest that have ever done it, were pocket passers. Dan Marino, pocket passer. All, you know, multiple, like countless legendary quarterbacks have been pocket passers. The problem with Derek Carr is you can't, when you have poor pocket presence, Raspy, that, that, severely limits your effectiveness and your consistency as a pocket passer. That means that it's all depend. Like everything has to be blocked perfectly. You, if, if it's covered, right. Like there's a lot of times we're talking about Derek Carr's, un, you know, uncharacteristically holding onto the ball. Like we haven't seen before. And that's safe to safe to assume it's because his initial reads were covered or else he would have let it go. Right. right. Well, the pro that's where this, this pocket, you can't be, he's a statue right now is, is what happens. The pocket collapses around him and he just stays in place and crumbles. You know who, you know, who's a pocket passer Raider nation that you guys never want to talk about this, but do you do, do you, we have pocket passers in this division. Yeah. Patrick Holmes is a pocket passer and Justin Herbert, those are pocket passers, right? Raspy. And Russell Wilson is for that in that regard too. He's not over here running around like he's Michael Vick either. Right. Explain no, it. these guys, what they do is they have awareness, like you said, pocket presence and awareness. And we're not, and that's the thing. Can't, can't both of these guys be both of these sides be wrong and we just find a happy medium? I'm not I'm not deluded. I know Carr ain't gonna go out and bust off no 80-yard runs, although I think he could. I know he's not going to, but let's not forget, guys, he runs like a 4 6 eight, 40. He's not He's not exactly what you call slow Brady or Peyton Manning. I'm not asking him to do that. I'm asking him to use his feet and to be aware and to move around in the pocket to, to get away from that push and that initial pass rush, pass rush and to get these guys to be able to start moving with him. That's how Herbert and Mahomes and even Wilson, that's how those guys shine because they'll get away from the initial – pass rush and all it takes is just another second or two and guys you know your wide receivers realizing okay cool Mahomes is he's he's now he's getting away from that pressure I can break off my route now and accommodate him and, and do other things and that makes it so hard on opposing defenses because you're not just covering a slant anymore you're covering a guy who was running a slant but saw his quarterback peel off and just still stay behind the line of scrimmage folks not running just and you're able to come back to him and make his life easier. And I don't think under Carr understands the fact that, like, just that little bit of presence, like Hart talks about, you can make your life so much easier, man. Get away from that initial wave, and you can see things open up. In a and so I'm saying I'm not asking him to run for 60 yards a game, dude, at all. I'm just asking him to move around and to not let it be – center of the pocket, if it doesn't work, then I'm going to the ground and possibly fumbling the damn ball. I mean, we're not even asking him to be as mobile as 38, 37-year-old Rich Gannon was back when he led us to the Super Bowl and, and won the MVP because he actually would run for 30, 40, 50 yards in a game, just picking up first downs here and there, no long runs. We're not even asking that. When was Justin Herbert, guys, at his most dangerous yesterday? If you're really honest and and – really look at the game he was at his most dangerous when he what 
escaped Max Crosby's initial pressure or Bilal Nichols or Chandler Jones, whoever it may be, escaping that initial pressure, just, just you know, leaking out to the left, leaking out to the right of the pocket, stopping and throwing lasers when guys break open. Just like Raspi explained, guys break open after the initial stuff is covered up. That's when those guys are at their most dangerous. It's not when they're a statue. Patrick Mahomes doesn't just sit there like, you know, Joe Montana and go 19 of 20 just sitting in the pocket, one, two, three, boom, one, two, three, boom. That's not his game. And we all know it's not. So there's multiple ways of being a pocket passer. In fact, Raspy, you and I are old enough to have – we saw uh, Dan Marino play football. Like we vividly remember the guy playing. It's not – we're not watching grainy YouTube highlights, you know, that are uploaded or NFL films archives. We actually saw him play live football games, right? Absolutely. Was he – who do you think would win in a foot race – Derek Carr at his prime or Dan Marino at age 25? The Dan Marino, Derek Carr could be 55 years old and he'd whoop Dan Marino at the age of 25. Dan and Marino had a knee brace on, I think, the minute he stepped foot in the NFL. He was never that guy. He was the slowest, statuesque type dude. That he was a big guy with heavy, flat feet. But you know what? He used them heavy, flat feet to manipulate the pocket and had some awareness and presence in the initial, you know, wave into step up, whether it be to step up or to step out of the pockets, you know, split second, boom, hit these boys. So I, like I said, I think a 55-year-old car would smoke a 25-year-old Dan Marino in a foot race, so... It's absolutely true, man. And that's before, even before he had the knee brace on, he was, that's what he had relied yeah. on. Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh, he was, it was a statue. Right. You're exactly right. In college, he was a statue. And then he was just as much so in the NFL. Then he had the Achilles injury, I think it was. And then he had the cybernetic leg brace and all that. He would still slide around. Like, he wouldn't even be in the league. He wouldn't even have been – we wouldn't even know who Dan Marita was if he couldn't do that because that's – he had to do that to be able to get his his ball off. He had a slower release, and he was slow-footed. Actually, he had a very quick release, but he had a, he was very slow-footed in the pocket. And he if he didn't have that initial – he couldn't escape Reggie White up the middle. Are you kidding me if he didn't do that? So – that that's Derek Carr could learn so much just by adding a little bit of that to his game. And Raspy, the other thing with Derek Carr too, did you know Devontae Adams went off, you know, 10 catches, a buck 41, the touchdown in the red zone, you know, 14.1 yards per catch. I mean, just an absolute monster game from the best wide receiver in the National Football League. But Carr also targeted him. 17 times where Renfro and Waller were limited to six targets apiece. Is that a problem for you? Absolutely. It's a problem. And it's especially a problem. I had four catches on those six targets for damn near 20 yards a catch. You have to exploit this, man. It cannot be just the car and Devont. As much as I, I love that. And I, and he did feast and I see what this could be. And this is early. We're not bailing guys. I just expected more out of this. And the fact that and I'm actually surprised that Renfro had six targets because I don't think his first target came until the second half. So you have to mix this thing up, man. And Mac Hollins made a hell of a grab, proving himself to be a worker. 
a worthy secondary guy that can go out there and make some grabs when you need him to. You know, I didn't see us trying to push it to him at all. I think he had maybe two targets. That was it. It's it's not going to work, man, like that. It cannot just be Devontae Adams or nothing, especially when you got guys like D. 19.8 per catch, man. That is monstrous. You talk about 14 a catch for Devontae being monstrous. Talk about damn near 20. And, and it just cannot be that way. We cannot be completely Devontae heavy to where that's – because you know what? Teams will take that away. have to feast elsewhere. So, no, I, I it's a – yeah, or yes, it's a problem. And I hope that that's not a sign of things to come. It is a problem for me as well, Raspy. You know, it's almost like Brandon Staley looked at the way that the game was going early with, with Adams, you know, just going off. It's almost like he looked at it and said, okay, we don't have J.C. Jackson anyway, so let's do the old-school Jordan rules on the, on the Raiders and Derek Carr. And let's just say, let Devontae Adams catch 20 balls and then we'll shut everybody else down. And it almost – I'm saying that that's – I'm not in his head, but it's it, – it, if that was what he did, it worked because, you know, Derek Carr went away. Because the thing that had us all so excited, guys, and I'm sure that most of you out in Raider Nation would agree with this, is it wasn't just that we had Devontae Adams, as, as amazing as that was, the best guy in football, the best receiver in football. It was having Adams with Waller, with Renfro. It's that three-headed dragon that was so impressive. How are you going to stop, pick your poison, all those old – football and sports cliches was was supposed to be very true for this offense. And it's just week one, and I'm with Raspy. We're not bailing. We're not saying that we're not going to make the playoffs. Our predictions were wrong, any of that stuff. But on the other side of that coin, guys, you know, it it's not the end of the world. But AFC West games do matter. Regular season games matter. AFC West games matter even that much more, especially against the teams that you're expected to be duking it out with for position at the end of the season. You know, the, there's no gimmies. Like, you can't give away games in this division and just say it doesn't matter because it does. It always matters, but it seems like it even matters more so this year than than most. And, and, and Raspy, I don't want to beat the car thing, you know, beat the dead horse or whatever, and we're going to move on. But I just want to ask you one last thing before we do move on to the next uh, topic. This is something I almost brought up before. Now I think it, it three times is a trend. What do they say? Once is, you know, an anomaly. Twice is a coincidence. But now three times now it's a trend. Isn't that what they say? Yeah, I think you're damn close on that one. You know, so is there a trend with Derek Carr against Brandon Staley? Because this is the third game, you know, it, you know, it's easy just to say the first year, you know, it's just two games, too small of a sample size. But now you're rolling that into another season. And there's been three games against, you know, Derek Carr versus a Brandon Staley coach defense. And the totality is this. Oh, in the three games, Carr has gone 63 of 107 for 677 yards, six touchdowns, four picks, and an 80.6 quarterback rating. Raspy, am I over – talking about overreacting, you know, and everything after week one, am I is, – is Raider Hart overreacting by saying that I think Derek Carr has a problem with, with uh, Brandon Staley, and I'm going to be factoring that in in future matchups against the Chargers? 
I wouldn't say it's an overreaction. I mean, it's still a small sample size, but that's like, like you said, once, twice, three times. That's how it gets started, man. And, you know, even last year, going back to the game, what is it, cars one and two in those three games? And even the one we won, Carr had some moments in that where we thought, yep, here the wheels are falling off on that, and our defense really shined through there at the end and gave us an opportunity, you know. And, and Carr stepped up, don't get me wrong. But um, but it's definitely – there's a cause for concern. man. I mean, you, you're one and two against this guy so far. So <laughs> – and I know, you know, it was a five-point game, like I said, but he – he definitely seems to have, you know, a pretty good knack of making Carr uncomfortable, man. So I don't think it's an overreaction at all. For me, it's it's just important because, you know, I can't discount that in the, the game later on this year. You know, I have to factor that in. And it's just a problem because the quarterback matchup in this matchup is so huge. If they have a top five guy coming in, you just can't have a huge gap between your quarterback's performance and Justin Herbert and expect to win that matchup consistently. It just puts too much pressure on your defense and other areas of your team to have to step up. And even if they do, that still may not be enough if there's a if there's just too big of a gap. So that's something that for me, I'm not it's not the end of the world yet. I'm not saying that it's an Andy Reid part two situation in this division yet, but it's something that I definitely have my eyes on and I will be factoring that in when I break down the, uh, the next matchup in this, in this uh, rivalry later on this season. Um, Raspy, one of the things that has really been one of the hot topics of conversation, it seems like the two biggest topics of conversation out of this game were Derek Carr on one side and the offensive line and the play of the offensive line on the other the offensive line didn't exactly, you know, knock it out of the park in this matchup. I'm not trying to say that. It wasn't exactly an inspiring performance where I'm willing to say, hey, I think all those concerns were, you know, just overhyped. But I, I, but I will say, Raspin, you may totally disagree with me here. I don't think watching the game back again, I don't think that the Raiders offensive line was quite as bad as this absolute meltdown disaster that some people out in Raider Nation and some in the media are trying to say uh, that it was. I hate to sit here and keep just agreeing with you, but I, I got to tend to on this one, man. I mean, let's first and foremost, we already knew that Bosa and Mack were going to bring some heat, man. We know that. We know that they use Derwin James a lot, you know, uh, trying to affect the – the passer as well. And you know what? Josh Jacobs gave Derwin James a freebie, period. So there's one of them right there. Back on that Devontae play, that BS end around, fake, whatever the hell that nonsense was, there's another one. Initial pressure, but I think for the most part, man, a lot of it was car hanging onto the damn ball. I, I'm telling you right now, I think that it's guaranteed at least two, if not those could have easily been prevented from just getting rid of the damn ball or making a move in the pocket. And then you take out Jacobs just completely getting manhandled and whiffing Derwin James, you know, you're talking about maybe a couple sacks happening in the game. So with the youngsters we have that aren't, you know, obviously household names, I thought they did a decent enough job. I mean, we weren't horrible in the run game either. We just didn't do a lot of it. We got down and, you know, I mean, I think we had a total of, you know, maybe 15 to 16 carries on the day. So 
no, I don't going to harp on the offensive line like some guys. I know a lot of a lot of guys are out there heavy on that. I'm not. So I agree with you, man. And for those that are harping on the offensive line saying, see, I told you so, and there was a lot of talk about that. The problem is Colton Miller gave up one or two of those sacks. Are we saying that Colton Miller was, was part of that, those 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 concerns? Were you worried about Colton Miller? Because I heard all the worries were about Leatherwood and who was going to be on the right side. Illuminor did give up one sack, but Miller gave up at least one, if not multiple. So are they trying to say that Colton Miller was also one of the reasons to be concerned? I'm confused, Raspy. Miller gave up two of them to Mac, period. So, yeah, I – and I and I was the same way. I didn't I thought we had no not to say no cause for concern, because we did talk about him saying Miller had to be on his game, but I didn't think I didn't see that happen. I didn't see that happening. So the bulk of this came, you know, from one of the stronger points of our offensive line. So it's really tough to harp on this whole line, man, or the young guys that are in there, because I think that they they did good enough, man. And with all that, a couple of these turnovers, man, you know, hit a guy in the end zone and get four extra points on the board, we might have lost a one-point game. You know what I mean? <laughs> or you find a way to win. So I think the offensive line gave you enough to win the game. I truly do. And I think I agree, Raspy. And I don't I don't think that they were good, but I don't think that they were the no, sole reason why the meltdown. And yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that they were great. Please, please, nation, don't get me, don't get me wrong on that. But, but I think they did enough. You know what I mean? And that's all you can ask in the first game when you got some guys out there that just haven't had, you know, some NFL live action experience in the regular season, going up against guys like Bosa and Mac, who are two highly touted veteran edge rushers who still, you know, I don't know, man. Like I said. Six sacks, I know it sounds crazy, but I think easily two or three of those could have wiped off the board, if not four of them. Yeah, and before we go any further, I think, guys, we have to make sure that we, we uh, you know, say that we, you know, here at Silver and Black Hack, we wish the best for Andre James. I know a lot of you were talking with us uh, after the game last night. And uh, for those that don't know, Andre James actually had to go to the hospital after the game. Um, initially looked like he was doing okay, but then was taken to the hospital for concussion-related concerns. Uh, just, I think it was from what I'm reading from, or from what I've read, it was more precautionary than anything else. And he was released and back at the Raider facility um, a short time after. Um, so we wish the best for him. Um, Head injuries, concussions are scary. Also, Anthony Averett, thumb surgery. Looks like he's going to be out a month or so or could be out a month or so. And I'm still waiting to hear on um, Merrick. I know he went out earlier too. Probably should have mentioned that a little bit earlier in the show. But the Andre James thing came up while we are talking about the offensive line. But uh, Raspy, were you – is, were you as baffled by the rotations on the offensive line as I was and so many other Raider fans were, where they had three or four different lineups out there? I just have no, this isn't hockey where you have the line changes and that kind of thing. 
or baseball where you go to the bullpen when your your starter's arm is starting to, to wear down a little bit. Have you ever seen anything like that in the NFL where you're rotating offensive linemen in the regular season, number one and number two? Um, was that something that worried you? Or what did you think of that just, just in, in general? Well, it was perplexing as hell, man. Because, I mean, even, you know, you, you see that on the defensive side. You have situational things and you have rotational players you know, for certain downs and distances and stuff. But you don't see that in the offensive line, which makes – it is a cause for concern because it makes them realize that they still don't exactly know who is going to be their set five, which that's that's kind of scary, man. I don't like it. I didn't the game. I don't like it now. And, no, I've never seen anything like it. If you don't know who your five is come the regular season, then somebody somebody – you know, we were all so quick to just give Ziegler and McDaniels all the praise before they even really coached a game with the Raiders, at least. And I still have the highest of hopes and trust and, and faith in these guys that they're going to get it done. I think they're smart as hell and they're going to get it right. But this is a major oversight, you know, that for so many people, even in Raider Nation, to be concerned about the offensive line. And they don't make a significant move there other than drafting um, – um, um, Dylan, Dylan Parham in, in the third round, who also played in, in the rotation and played very well, according to Pro Football Focus. I think he had an 83 grade, which is phenomenal. But the fact that they were in the regular season and the rotating guys does send the signal, Raspy, that they don't even know who their top five, who their best five are. And that doesn't do a lot to um, instill that extra confidence that, you know, you guys had all off season to address what was already known to be a shaky position group coming into it. You don't make any significant moves. And then you're shuffling guys around like, you know, decks, deck chairs in the Titanic. And I, that, that's very concerning. Yeah. And it can't, it can't help cars confidence either. Not knowing who the hell is going to be out, which squad is out there protecting him i'm not giving him excuses either but i thought illuminor got hurt man you were talking hard and i were talking during the game and i'm like thayer mumford's in there you know and i'm all about thayer mumford being in there if he's the guy but this shuffling them around like cards in a deck ain't cool man that has to be fixed and it has to be fixed like in a hurry you have to how are you going to build any continuity between the group on the front, man, the big uglies, if you're switching players out and rotational shifts? I don't get it. That's a good point you bring up. I didn't even think about that. That did not help Carr's confidence. It couldn't have helped Carr's confidence. No. You know, that, hey, even our coaching staff, even our GM and all the firepower, the brain power that they have up in that front office, they don't even know who's the best, who's going to get it done out here. They don't even have faith that anyone on the right side was basically the whole right side was just completely rotated. This isn't the preseason. This, this kind of goes into something I want to ask you about Josh McDaniels and his Raider debut, you know, Josh Jacobs, 10 carries for 57 yards, terrible at blitz pickup. As you said, I could not agree more with that. Um, he was very underwhelming in the first half, very good in the second half. Jacobs, um, Bolden, Three, three carries, seven yards, only 2.3 yards per carry. Uh, did not get it done in, in in the short yardage situations, but was very good in the pass game. Two grabs for uh, 21 yards and a very impressive touchdown catch out of the backfield. So sort of a mixed bag from the running game. And I think that that's all a good way, Rasby, to, to segue into Josh McDaniels 
in his Raider debut, and especially in terms of play calling, we talked about the rotating offensive line uh, and how bizarre, how unusual that is. You know, he didn't seem to have a real rhythm in calling the run game until it was pretty much kind of out of hand in the second half. Josh Jacobs, by the way, Raspy, um, you know, he forced – where is this at? He had an elu- He led the league in elusive rating after the first week. Uh, he f- 11 touches and he forced eight missed tackles. 334.5 elusive- elusiveness rating. That's number one in the NFL. That's rookie Josh Jacobs type of, you know, elusiveness there. The offensive line, we knew that that was a concern coming into it. Raspy going, you know, against a very motivated Cleo Mack, FTR. We talked about that. He was very motivated. Joey Bosa is always motivated to punk Derek Carr after some of the comments that he said in the past. Raspy, where was the run game? And then even more importantly to me, where where was the quick game from Josh McDaniels? Where was the quick, you know, stuff out of trips where was the screen game that we saw so effectively in the effectively used in the preseason what did you think of Josh McDaniel's game plan and play calling in this one well I like the play calling in the preseason a lot better than I did week one I'll tell you that much right now what I and another thing I don't understand is like you know, you, I think it was the third and two. You had Bolden in there, man. Bolden's not known to be that put a foot in the ground type nasty runner up, you know, going counter or off tackle type guy. It's kind of more of like, you know, like a bruiser, maybe a yard here or there, and he can catch them balls and whatever. He's over here trying to jump cut on a two and literally gets about a half a yard. Where's Zeus White, man? I get it. He's a rookie, but he's on our 53-man roster for a damn reason. So much hype to this kid. And I tell you, one thing he was doing is he was running north and south. And I would have loved to see him get a little bit of run out there. I, The flow of the game, I never really felt comfortable with what our offense was doing outside of literally the first drive, which, you know, went flat on its face there at the end, you know, of that drive. But I never felt like the flow that I felt we were coming with in the preseason now. And, Court, you know, maybe there's some correlation. It's the preseason, it's the regular season, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like it, man. I didn't like the choice of play calls. The one play in particular that I just thought was absolutely atrocious, and never thought I would have seen Josh McDaniels do because he's never really been a gimmicky guy. Was that complete and utter BS play after the fourth and four pickup to try to run some fake end around to give it to Devontae to throw it to who? I don't even know where the hell he was planning on going on that, but it was such a poor design that it didn't matter because by the time Devontae got the ball in his hands, he was getting wrecked. Did not like how things went at all. If your play design, when you're drawing it up on the whiteboard and it involves – your quarterback, I mean, any quarterback, let alone Derek Carr, he's Derek Carr is yeah. not a physical player. If your play design requires Derek Carr to block Joey Bosa for this thing to be effective, and then for Devontae Adams to throw the ball, not catch it, but to be the one throwing the ball, you've outsmarted yourself on that particular design. I'm sorry, but you just have. You have your two best playmakers on offense not directly involved in doing what they normally do to affect yeah. the, the offense. It just – 
that play you and you bring up such a good point after you just pick up a key clutch fourth down and four you run that play that play that call and the design both have momentum killer written all over it right from the start you just get a first down off of a fourth down and you run a gimmicky play that involves all this weird stuff where Derek Carr's not Derek Carr couldn't block me I don't think he would block me and I love the guy but he's just not a physical player like he's just not that's not his game. And I don't know too many quarterbacks where that is their game blocking probably a hall of fame defensive end when it's all said and done, it just doesn't make any sense. And furthermore, Raspy, you, you mentioned preseason there that the difference in the play calling, the difference with Zeus white, that brings up another big question that has been circulating after the game. And I, and I've been one of the ones that have been questioning this do the Raiders, did they need the, the reps in the preseason? You know, you come out here and Carr clearly did not look comfortable in his first game action. The receivers did not look, besides Adams, obviously. Renfro didn't look completely comfortable. You know, the offensive line wasn't settled. If you're still rotating guys there. And, you know, Derek Carr misses Darren Waller on a – goal line route where he smokes an all pro safety and Derek Carr just missed. He's one of the three most accurate quarterbacks in the league of the last three years. That's just for all the criticism of Derek Carr being inaccurate in the pocket in, in, in the intermediate range is not one that's really legitimate. And you look at some of these things and even some of the things on defense where the, we're about to talk about that next, the defense was so much better in the second half than, you know, Graham wasn't necessarily very comfortable early on. Did the Raiders make a mistake? Did McDaniels make a mistake by not having any reps for any meaningful players, any starters in the preseason? Look like it. I mean, look at look at the Rams. They did the same thing. We don't need to. We're not putting any reps on that. We're worried about injury. We're not even. We, we've got it. We're going to be not looking flat as hell too. So. There's something to be said about real game time reps, man. People can call preseason not real, but it, the speed's still there. So, evidently, it was an issue. And Carr has been kind of known to start a little slow at times in his career. So, I don't know, man. I don't know how to process this or what to put my finger on exactly as to why we look so flat and flaccid in the first quarter or so. I don't know, man. I'm at a damn loss. So freaking frustrated. It's it's wore me out all day. It's even more frustrating, Raspy, when you look at it. Okay, your starters don't play in preseason at all. What's the main reason for that? To avoid injury, right? Yeah. Game one. Averett is going to be out for a while. Mary gets hurt. James is going to the hospital. It really doesn't matter. It, 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 all that saving them to get hurt, and they get hurt the week one. Right out of the gate, you're already – Raiders just had to sign a corner off the waiver wire because Averett is hurt. So it really didn't it, – it, it, it would have been much better to have played in the preseason, have a couple guys nicked up, and you were fresh, you were in rhythm, and you win the game versus you save all that and have key guys out anyway. So it, it just really – you can't predict injuries. Like you're trying to – I don't know. It kind of it kind of reeks of being a little bit too cute again. I don't know, man. You can't predict yeah. when injuries are going to happen. So well, And that, that getting cute has never really seemed to be part of the way McDaniels – you know, he's more of a smash mouth kind of come right at you type of coordinator, you know. 
And like I said, Hart and I were on the phone when that Devontae end around thing happened. I don't keep mean to keep beating a dead horse, but that was just like you said, momentum killer. That shit may look good in practice. That doesn't do anything in the game, dude, unless it is ran in the most, you know, time you could ever run it. And still, I, I never want to run that. I, I never want to run that. Like you said, I never want to have Carr. I don't care if it's Bosa or Mac or any average defensive end. You can't expect him to take that on. And it's stupid to even do so. What has he done in his past to show you that he's – Allen, I'm sorry, he's not built like that. And even with that, even if he was, I still think the Bills, they do too much with Josh Allen to put him in harm's way. You don't put quarterback in harm's way for no damn good reason. You don't. And why do you want Devontae Adams throwing the ball? The biggest weapon in the league, and you've erased him from the play, and you're going to make him do something that he's – he wouldn't be in the NFL as a quarterback. You're making him do – you're going to have him doing something on that play where he was not even a professional caliber thrower of the football, where he's the best weapon. It just doesn't make any sense at all to me, Raspy. And I don't want to be too hard on McDaniels because I still believe in the guy. and And he did make good adjustments in the second half. I thought, and and was let down at times in the second half, especially late when the game was on the line. Look, guys, we give Carr all the credit for all these fourth-quarter comebacks. I texted Raspy a stat uh, that a lot of you probably saw over the last week or so where Carr has more um, go-ahead scores in the fourth quarter than Joe Montana and all these other, like, you know, list of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Well, last he was given the ball with the same scenario yesterday to go down and take the lead and go ahead in the fourth quarter, and he wasn't able to do that with the sacks and the picks and the fumbles. So you gotta you gotta bring that up. But speaking of second half adjustments, Raspy, did anybody do a better job of that than Patrick Graham in his first? We're so used to Gruden and Gunther and 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 those types of coaches where the adjustments just were never, ever there. They just years would go by and it still was a problem. It was very refreshing for me, Raspy, to see where they gave up 17 points in the first half. They didn't even have to give up all 17 of those points because they had a fourth, a fourth down stop that should have taken seven of those points off the board. But then we gave the ball right back to Herbert a play or two later and just let him finish the job anyway. But then in the second half, Raspy, they only allow seven points to the Chargers. Yes, there was a missed field goal there, but still even 10 points in the second half. If you hold Herbert to 10 points a half, you're holding him to 20 points in a game, which is well below league average and far below what he's capable of. And that stat you were talking about was – where is that at here? The last five drives of that game – were they allowed two first downs, three three and outs over the last five j- drives, right? The the Raiders responded, and that's when it was a one-score game. That's The game was winnable. It was there to be won. The Raiders responded with that effort with the defense by going, you know, pick, pick, fumble, fumble, turnover on downs, and a touchdown. There's a there's one touchdown in there, so you really have to give it for this defense, right? I mean, they look like they're going to get carved up early on. But Pat asked in the pregame show, "What did Patrick Graham learn?" Well, he learned on the fly in this one, Raspy. He did, and and that's why 
this game is not on the defense, man. I mean, and, and even think back earlier in the game, man, Nate Hobbs got called on that total BS personal foul. It's like Herbert put a foot in the ground to try to look like he, he, looked like he was going to juke and upcut into the end zone. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he puts a foot in the ground, he lays on his he lays his head down. I hate how soft this game has got, but whatever. We're not going to – Hard and I have never been one to sit here and bitch about calls and stuff, but that was absolutely ridiculous. And that – It might have touched him. That put an extra four points on the board, man. That was third down when that happened. We had stopped them, you know, and they were in a position to either try to go for it or to kick a goal, which they'd have probably went for it. Who knows? But maybe we would have stopped them. But, you know, ticky-tack nonsense. We're used to that. This is the NFL. This is the way it is. But, but yeah, no, I mean, to hold him to seven points in the second half, man, and Carr can't overcome, the offense can't overcome, the play calling can't overcome – and get us over the hump, man, even with all this BS that took place, we still should have found a way to take the lead at the end of the game. Now, I'm not saying we would have held it, but there sure as hell should have been some scoring there late. And it just, like you said, you go pick, pick, fumble, fumble, turnover on. What the hell? What did you expect, man? You ain't going to win that way. You ain't going to win that way. And, you know. Let alone against good teams. And great quarterbacks. It, yeah. It's just isn't going to happen. You know, Raspy, one of the things that – in fact, the number one thing on my key to, to beating the Chargers and the thing that I was the most worried about was Austin Eckler. And, you know, the Raiders did a fantastic job. I have to say they did a fantastic job on this guy. Eckler, 14 carries for just 36 yards, 2.6 yards per carry. But that's only half the story because we all know that he can gash you just as well in the in the catching in the receiving game as he is as he can on the ground. They did their job there too. Four catches for thirty six yards. Diablo did his work. Um, you know, basically the the scheme, the plan was solid, and just the run defense in general. Bilal Nichols is a guy that really showed up well. Um, Billings. Andrew Billings, a guy that we were kind of surprised, got the nod, the starting nod over Hankins, did a fantastic job in the middle, anchoring it down. The, the run defenses as a whole, the Chargers were 31 carries for 76 yards, 2.5 for carry. Raspy, heap a little praise on that Raider run defense after week one. Hey, man, man. I mean, 2.5 a carry, man? I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's – it's so fitting to, like, shut down the things that you were worried about the most and to just get dumped on by the things you thought you could trust, man. Sometimes the more things change, the more shit stays the same. Excuse my language. But, man, it's frustrating, man, because if you were to tell me that you hold just Justin Herbert to seven points in the second half and shut down that run game and keep Austin Eckler from beating you, you think you'd won that game. If you'd have told me that before the game, Mike I Williams been, shut down. we're walking away. We're walking away. Hobbs shuts down Mike Williams, completely erased Mike Williams as well. Like, And then even to just take the whole game, Raspy, if somebody would have told you with the crystal ball before the game, that okay, the Raiders hold these guys to seven points in the second half and just 24 points all – it's not like they gave up 45 in the first half and just right. they tip off the gas. They get held to 24 points total – Mike Williams gets shut down. You know, Keenan Allen doesn't even play the second half, and Eckler and company get absolutely stonewalled in the run game and the pass game. How do you lose that game, man? 
You got me, brother. I mean, you, you know what one of the things is, and this is going to probably start a fight out there, but, you know, I, I, I have to be real, guys. I have to – These are this is the home of the realest Raiders takes, not the most friendly or what or home or whatever. Max Crosby and Chandler Jones did – they had a good game. Uh, Crosby, seven pressures, five hurries, eight stops to lead the league uh, for, uh, in route to a 92.2 pro football focus grade. He also had two QB hits. Chandler Jones wasn't quite as active. He had three pressures and a quarterback hit and a couple stops, uh, tackles for loss. But Raspy, this is an area, okay, it was supposed to be, that was supposed to be a pretty much an even matchup. Bosa and Mack versus Crosby and Jones, that was supposed to be pretty much a wash, right? Yeah. It wasn't a wash. It wasn't a wash. This is the thing that I've, that we've been saying, okay? Mack had three sacks. Bosa had a sack and a half. The Raiders came out with what? A bunch of – this is the same thing that we keep saying. A bunch of pressures, but the quarterback is not going down. And, and, I'm, and I'm here to say that I'm officially on, on, on record here. I need Max Crosby to get the quarterback down more. I'm over these pressures. The pressures are great, but in this division, pressures let – me, let me be very clear about this, Raider Nation, Raspy Raider. In this division, in the AFC West, pressures don't matter. Do I need to repeat that one more time? Pressure, unless they're effective pressures. This is why we've been saying effective pressures. We saw what happened when you have ineffective pressures against Justin Herbert. What does he do? You make him better. You you turn him into Superman. He he escapes the initial pressure from Crosby or Jones, and then finds you know Everett leaking out of coverage when he yeah, when he, the play was supposed to be over or Carter. You you. Keenan Allen out of the game, and it's like, oh, man, hell yeah. He's not even going to be in there to even worry about. And then this Carter kid comes in and just dogs you. You know? Unacceptable, man. You got against these alien quarterbacks, Raspy, in this division, you have to get him on the ground. Pressure just makes Mahomes step, you know, 10 feet to the left and and, and sling a laser down the field. And, and we saw it, Herbert the whole first half was doing that. And Russell Wilson, if you guys think that that's going to be any different either, Max Crosby, as great as he is, and he is a legitimately great player. I'm not trying to say he's overrated or anything like that. He's a legitimate Pro Bowl edge rusher. But all these people saying he's going to be the defensive player of the year, or he's just as good as Mac was. No, he's not. I'm sorry, but he's not. We saw the difference. Mac gets his guy, Mac gets the quarterback on the ground where they're no longer a threat. Max. Just doesn't do that enough yet. And, and Chandler Jones, I can't let him off the hook with that either, Raspy. No, there's too much money invested in both of these guys. You're not going to be let off the hook. I'm sorry, guys. Now it's one thing playing on a, a rookie deal from a fourth, you know, fourth round perspective. That's no longer the case, man. You signed a hundred million dollar contract. Chandler Jones signed three year, fifty plus million dollar contract. I'm sorry. There's there's some accountability that comes with that. You're going to be held to a higher standard when you're getting paid like that, and rightfully so. And also, like you said, Mac was getting him on the ground. Not only that, he was taking trying to take the ball away too, and he forced right. him, he forced him. We were lucky enough to get them both back, but <laughs> it just it's a play killer. It might as well be a sack because you're losing yards. You're having to go again and try to make up for the yards you just lost. So it's it might as well have been a sack. 
to, and to me, it's, you know, again, effective pressures, guys. We're going to have that. As, for whatever reason, the NFL Fast R uh, database has been down since Thursday. You probably, guys will probably saw the tweet out there where you, the official – uh, Twitter handle even tweeted out that they're trying to figure it out and they hope to be back online. We're going to have the, the effective pressures metric for you this year. And it's especially important with Max Crosby because, again, just take this game. He had a bunch of pressures in the first half, right? He was all over the field in the first half. And yet Justin Herbert had like three incompletions the entire half. And at all the third down conversions and everything else, the touchdown pass, I mean – it's really not if, – if the quarterback is still able to uh, complete passes for positive gains, your pressure didn't affect the play, period. So ready to just flush this one and move on, man. Well, we're going to, you know, it, it, but it wasn't all bad. You know, Hobbs, no. Rocky, Sin looked great, I thought, man. And I, Bilal think Nichols, both, I, I, thought, both, I think they both looked the part, man. They did, and you know, I thought, and you were saying that Bilal Nichols really caught your eye. He did, man. Bilal, I mean, it's not going to show up like crazy on the stat sheet. It's solo tackles on the stat sheet, but man, two of those tackles were on a short third down and on a fourth down. I'm come in there and freaking shut it down on a fourth down, turn around to have Carr come out there on the you know next play or two and give the ball right back to him. How deflating is that? I've been on teams like that, man. In high school, we had a damn good team, but our quarterback sucked. And it seemed like we would get the damn offense off the field, go sit down, try to get some Gatorade in you, man. And next thing you know, you're looking up because your quarterback threw another pick and you're like, really? We just got you the damn ball back out here again i'm still sucking wind from the last play and i'm back out there again that shit is deflating and demoralizing to a defense man you cannot have it period man i mean he's so yeah Bilal did show up and i i liked what he was doing man i mean nobody made these nobody made that huge play that hart and i were begging for but you know, hold your water is what I said in the pregame show, man. Hold your water. And Blau did that. I thought he was really impressive in his debut. And I thought that, again, just to mention again, I thought Billings next to him at the nose tackle was very impressive as well. I mean, we all know that when you run a 3-4 style defense and you want to stop the run, your nose tackle is the at the heart, literally at the heart of your effort to stop the run. If your nose tackle is getting pushed back and blown up, you're not stopping anything. And he was very rock solid in the middle as well. And and a guy that I've been very hard on Raspy in years past, and I think warranted uh, in the past when I criticized him. But I got to give him when I tear, I'm going to tear you down when you deserve it. But I'm also going to give you the, the love when you deserve that too. And John Abram, when John Abram played um, every single defensive snap, he was around the football a lot. Did not give up any major gaffes that I can recall in coverage. And he and he had 12 tackles out yeah. there. At, that ten rover. of them were solo. Yeah, 10 solo tackles, sort of playing that rover third safety at times. Also, you know, the, the second safety in, in this base. And he's got to do more covering. He's not just an attack dog. You know, that's a lot of two deep safety looks. That's sort of the base of his past defense is more two and three safety looks. So right. to Abram, you know, after a lot of criticism in the past, I'm going to give you love, you know, this is the first yeah. discussion with the new coaching staff. So far, so good. 
Absolutely, man. I mean, and he was doing pretty decent in coverage too. There was a couple plays where he was he was off in coverage, but he broke real hard to contest the pass. And I was I was actually impressed because there was a time where if you'd asked me about Jonathan Abram, I would have said we need to move on. And if he can give us that kind of output and that kind of production and, and increase his coverage ability, man, he might be you know just what we drafted him for to be that that hawk, you know, who can just lay the wood and just get better in coverage and be that guy. But on the, on the flop side of that, man, on um, another guy on defense who we talked about a little bit in the pregame, I'm sorry. I am like so close and on the verge of calling Hank in straight trash, bro. He looked terrible out there, guys. I don't know what PFF gave him. I really don't care. I watched the game. I watched him get pushed around and pushed aside did not see any from Hankins that I that I could you know not do without. I'm. It's time, dude. There's a reason Billings beat him out for the starting role in week one. What are we doing, man? I'm sorry. The guy is slow, bro. He's not getting any push. I I feel did roster spot if you ask me. That's what I like about Billings over him right now, you know, is if he's going to give us that kind of run defense next to Nichols and, and, and some of these other guys, he gives you better pass rush upside by far than what Hankins. Yeah. And I was worried about the run defense from him. And if he's going to give us, I know he's got the size, but if he's going to give us that kind of an anchor against the run and he can give us more push, his bull rush is nothing to, to, to write off. So he's just a better fit in this, he can give you the sort of the best of both worlds from a nose tackle. And he also was one of the highest graded Raiders uh, from pro football focus this week. So hats off to those guys, some very underrated performances on defense and some performances that we expected, you know, some of our top guys to have and they, and they showed up even max I'm criticizing him, but the pressures, the stops, those are all very good things. He just has to add, if you just get the quarterback on the ground once or twice in the mix of all that, I, it's it's all pro stuff. But without that, you're 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 letting these alien quarterbacks escape to hurt you in other ways. And don't don't fool yourself by thinking anything else. No, you gotta kill drives, man. That's what you and Chandler Jones were brought in for was to kill drives, man, to turn the ball over and to put quarterbacks on notice each and every week, man. It's not to make the quarterback sweat, but then ultimately still make the play anyway. That's no. not that's what it is. Agreed. Well, Raspy, did you have anything else on this game before we, we put a bow on it with Captain and walk the plank? Um, Got to bring that no. back to the season. No, not at this point, man. I can't remember who, who said that last year, but it's you don't you don't examine your turd after you take it, right? You just flush it and move on. That's what we need to do right now. Let's flush this one and move on. You got to because it's yeah, it's it's just week one. It's a long yeah. season that have known to be at times they started slow and they believe in sort of you know the adjustments and, and learning and, and sort of building as you go instead of in Raiders in seasons past have been fast starters that faded late. And I would take finishing strong over over fading late any day of the week. So hopefully that that, that those trends continue um, with Josh McDaniels bringing that over to the Las Vegas Raiders. But 
to wrap it up, guys, we're we're going to bring back Captain of the Week and walk the plank. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let Raspy get started on that. Let's start. I, we made an adjustment last year that I liked, Raspy, where we start. We 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 ended up tweaking it to where we start with walk the plank and end with Captain of the Week, so we can kind of end on a on a high instead of on a downer. So why don't we do that again this year? Who's your who who walks the plank for you this week, uh, week one? Well, man, I think for everybody that listens to this show and all our faithful listeners who we just love near and dear and so damn much, I mean, I got to go. I got to go car on this one, man. It's time you walk the plank. You know, you talk about the preseason stuff and that kind of Car, this is a nine-year veteran, man. I expect more from him. We have we have talked about giving him opportunities and giving him stuff this year that he's never had. You have that true number one. So you have to be able to figure out how to balance this, man. And I'm sorry, 22 or 37 for 295 with yards per that sounds great, man, but if you look on the opposite side of that stat sheet and you're seeing five sacks holding the ball too damn long, forcing things into double or triple coverage over the top, three INTs, two fumbles, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Just like you this show, man, I know it's a team game, and it absolutely is, but there's a reason that there's that one guy at the helm that if you don't have guy that's that gunslinger with that killer instinct you're going to be in trouble man so Carr has got to be better for this week Derek Carr walking the plank man he's got to be better I mean he does I mean look at just this division was there more of a disheartening discouraging outcome than the Chiefs game because here you have Patrick Mahomes he loses his dominant top five number one receiver and they put up 40 points. He puts up 30 of 39 for 400 yard, whatever he had. It's typical explosive Mahomes game. And then Derek Carr gets the, the number one receiver in the league, even better than Tyree Kill, and struggles to get to 20 points. So the, he's just got to be better. And I expect him to be better going forward. So I can honestly, you can understand. Well, it, it, it was an easy choice to have Carr yeah, as a candidate. I mean, I got I to gotta throw him out there. I mean, let's, let's be real. Derek Carr has, even if he has the same exact stat, you know, stat sheet, 22-37-295, two touchdowns, one interception, we win this damn ball game. It's the three interceptions and the fumbles and the sacks that were unnecessary. He plays a little cleaner game, a little – we win the game. Even with those picks and sacks and everything else, if he just hits have a chance. on the goal line and hits – Adams on that deep ball that he underthrew that got picked off where Adams was a step behind all of the defense. Yep. And, he had and then hits Waller on the down. That changes everything. There's eight more points on the board or if it's not ten. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, he, man. With the bad play, the, those are still – happened yep. into all that that could have been, you know, ten points on the board that just – weren't there so Carr's a worthy candidate as much as I love him and believe in him and he will bounce back next week guys believe you me he will bounce back and and deliver against the Cardinals next week a little bit of a spoiler as to my prediction of for that game but 
for me, walking the plank is a guy that I don't know that I've ever had on the plank before, but I have to do it because of the expectations. Everybody's talking about the poor play of the offensive line. Everybody's harping on that, but they want to harp on the right side of the line. That's lazy stuff, guys, because Colton Miller gave up more sacks than Illuminor or anybody else that you want to talk about on the line. He gave up multiple sacks. Nobody else gave up multiple sacks on the line but Colton Miller. You know, he's our guy. He's Last year he played at a borderline Pro Bowl level for me. He's the guy that I did not have any concerns about. I thought he was going to handle Bosa, whoever they, whichever one of the two was lined up over him uh, for the majority of the game. I thought he would handle it. It was the other side that everybody was so worried about. Come to find out that it was Colton Miller that, you know, didn't have his best game. Nobody's worried about Colton going forward. We all expect him to bounce right back. That's another thing, too, another piece of evidence for those that think that the lack of reps in the preseason was a problem because Colton Miller was not moving as fluidly and as athletically as what we've what we know that he can he just he didn't seem ready for the speed of the game either so for whatever reason we expect him to bounce back we know he'll bounce back but for this week Colt Miller is the the guy who's got to walk the plank for me it's time you walk the plank ain't no, um, argument. Ain't no arguments here man he is he is that you know, that mountain of a man on that left side. And I, maybe it's not fair at times because of all the other movement on the line, but he has to be the guy. I mean, we gave you a first, we gave you first round money. We picked you early, you know, early way through. You got to be that guy. So, And he's largely lived up to all that, the contract, the draft right. position. He's largely lived up. He's exceeded what – I remember when, when he got drafted, we were all losing our minds. We could not believe that they didn't take McGlinchey, and who's proven to not be a very good offensive lineman. We thought he was overdrafted. That false start that he had was going to be too much to overcome. He's proven us all wrong with all that. Tom Cable wouldn't be able to develop it. All that was wrong. But for this game, and because of how much we put on him, you know, that when the offensive line implodes and there's all these sacks and you're the guy who's giving up more sacks than anybody in the line. Colton Miller's got to walk the plank this week. Who's your captain? Man, I wanted to go a couple different ways. I mean, about uh, Jonathan Abram and how he played, I feel like he stepped up, man. I mean, I feel like I could give this to Rock or Nate, too, you know. But I'm going to go different. I spoke on it a little bit early, man. Bilal Nichols. Ain't no um, argument. Ain't no arguments here, man. He is. He is that. You know that mountain of a man on that left side, and I, maybe it's not fair at times because of all the other movement on the line. But he has to be the guy. I mean, we gave you a first. We gave you first round money. We picked you early. You know, early way through. You got to be that guy. So, and he's largely lived up to all that. The contract, the draft right. position. He's largely lived up. He's exceeded what – I remember when, when he got drafted, we were all losing our minds. We could not believe that they didn't take McGlinchey, and who's proven to not be a very good offensive lineman. We thought he was overdrafted. That false start that he had was going to be too much to overcome. He's proven us all wrong with all that. Tom Cable wouldn't be able to develop it. All that was wrong. But for this game, and because of how much we put on him, you know, that when the offensive line implodes and there's all these sacks and you're the guy who's giving up – 
more sacks than anybody in the line. Colt Miller's got to walk the plank this week. Who's your captain? Man, I wanted to go a couple different ways. I mean, about uh, Jonathan Abram and how he played, I feel like he stepped up, man. I mean, I feel like I could give this to Rock or Nate, too, you know. But I'm going to go different. I spoke on it a little bit early, man. Bilal Nichols. We – it was a big deal not having Quentin Jefferson, not having guys like Darius Fong. It was a huge question mark for me, and I'm – like, like I've always stated, and I will stay too, I'm a defensive guy. I'm a trenches guy. I'm a big, fat, ugly guy. I, we need in there. And I thought Bilal Nichols, man, he had a little bit of hindrance as far as through the preseason with some injury. Man, he sure as hell didn't look injured at all. He made two really huge stops on back-to-back drives only to have them negated by lousy interceptions. Captain Week, man, my captain, me captain. Bilal Nichols. Man, he was very impressive. He really could put the whole Raiders run defense in there with Absolutely. Absolutely. Farrell is criticized and is as much of a hot topic as he is, and rightfully so with the draft position and the disappointments. He was very solid against the rush as well. Um, Obviously, Jones and, and Crosby were dominant against the run as well. So just a really the linebackers. You really, everybody. Everybody played a role. Hobbs had some key run stops. Abram was good. So just a very good team effort. But Bilal Nichols, especially with that fourth down um, stuff there, um, very, very impressive. He also rushed the passer better than what you think, too. Yeah, he really – we just haven't had that, you know what I mean, in those those short yardage, you know, big-time moments, man, a guy to just collapse that line and take on doubles and still find a way to – stop the two yards from happening. You know what I mean? That's a big deal. So if that's a sign of things to come, like Balin, man, we, we wear this patch proudly, man, and we're going to keep rocking it. And we know you're going to keep rocking it with us, man. But, you know, we got to we gotta pick it apart here and there. You know what I mean? We, we got we to gotta evaluate and we have to flat out call out a captain, and whoever's walking the plank, man, that's the way it goes on this ship, so. It does. It does. And speaking of captains, I'm going to go with the obvious one. I usually like to go a little bit off the radar, or sometimes I like to go with coaching, as you guys know a lot of the times with these, but I'm going to go with the obvious stuff, and I'm going to stay on the field again, as I did with the walking the plank. My captain this week is the obvious captain, and that's the best player in football, Devontae Adams, or at least the best wide receiver, hands down in football. Devontae Adams. Look at me, sure. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. Worth every single dime that we're paying him. Anybody questioning whether it was Aaron Rodgers, the one that was making that work, or whether it was Devontae Adams, go look at what the Packers offense put up uh, yesterday in week one. Cheap shot. Cheap shot. Aaron Rodgers struggled. I'm just saying, Aaron Rodgers struggled, and here it is with supposedly this vastly inferior quarterback that Devontae Adams is not going to put up this. Yeah, he put up 10 catches for a buck 41, 14.1 yards per reception, the touchdown, and he was just a men amongst boys out there. Probably could have done even more damage if a couple more throws were a little bit more on the money there. So 
worth every bitty, every every penny that we're paying him. And he is now we can comfortably say he is the best receiver in football. He's not just a product of Aaron Rodgers. Was Aaron Rodgers a product of Devontae Adams? I mean, I'm 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 being snarky here, but you know, after the after after the first game, there's one one was missing the other a whole lot more than the other one, and we know who was missing who. So after the first game, so can't argue the, that one. The very definition of a captain, Devontae Adams, man, what a welcome sight to see a dominant weapon, a dominant number one wearing silver and black. First time since the Brown Rice era that we could really say that. Good sign of things to come, man, and I think these other kinks, and I think we'll bounce back too. I, I'm in agreement with you there. So, but we got to do it quick, and we got to make a run. You need to get you need to stack some wins up, man, and get ahead of the curve here on this win loss column. So, we'll see how we do. Absolutely, man. Did you have anything else, or before we put a bow on this one and get ready no, for the? No, man. Like I said, I'm ready to. I'm ready to move, man. I'm ready to move on to next week. I'm ready to. Go hit up the Cardinals and show them uh, that uh, we're going to clean up a couple things and make this happen, man. I feel like we're going to be a real big headache for the Cardinals next week. So, as always, Nation, love y'all to death, man. Appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Can't get enough of this, man. It's early. I know this one sucks. It's a bitter one to swallow early, you know. And like Hart said, I'd rather finish strong than to fizzle out, you know what I mean? So, to do that, man, we faced a, you know, a serious opponent. We didn't go lose to the freaking, you know, Jaguars or something week one. We lost to a, an opponent that is a, is big to win Super Bowls in a lot of these guys' eyes, and we still should have won the damn game. So, Nation, love y'all. I'm going to sign out. i let Harvard out. Appreciate everything y'all do, man. Appreciate you guys all listening, man. Nothing but love. Yeah, we appreciate it, each and every one of you guys. And you guys are going to want to make sure to, again, keep your notifications on. Um, like, share, and subscribe. Spread the word out there in Raider Nation to come check us out. Come join the the best, the, the most fun, the most informative Raider podcast on the air today. That's, of course, that is the Silver and Black Hack podcast. And we'll be back with you later on this week, guys, to give you our breakdown of the Cardinals game, our predictions, uh, the matchups, the keys to victory and what we need to do to what we must clean up and avoid in order to get a win. Um, the Cardinals came off of a really tough performance against the Chiefs, so we know that they're going to be hungry and and desperate to avoid that 0-2 start, just like the Raiders are. But we're coming back to our house here and I expect uh, Allegiant Stadium, the Death Stars, we like to call it, to be ready and operational and, and ready to rock and roll. So... For my partner, Raspy Raider, this is your host, Raider Hart, uh, signing off here. Guys, it's a, it's a long season. We lost to the Chargers on the road last year and still found ourselves right smack dab in the middle of the playoffs at the end of it. So it's by no means the end of the world. We fully expect the Raiders to bounce back, and I still feel very confident uh, in my prediction about making the playoffs. And I won't speak for Raspy, but I'm pretty sure that he's still – on, on board with that prediction as well. So until you yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, there you go. The fish I'm, in I'm in it. Sorry, I knew Harm was going to send it off. But, yes, I am, I am not backing off. Absolutely, guys. So there you have it. Keep it with us here on the Silver and Black Hack podcast for the Realist Raiders takes, advanced stats, and analytics. 
And until we meet again, guys, the Raiders have to get right. They've got to get back in the lab and, and clean up whatever it was that was going wrong because one thing we know, come Sunday at home, the Raiders just got to win, baby.